God, tonight as we dig into your word and to see uh, why there's so many laws and rules and what those mean uh, for us, may we be challenged uh, by those things, God, about our, maybe we uh, learn some things and just push aside our, our, um, our thoughts and our preconceived notions of what we think these rules are for, or what they're about, or um, whatever, God, may we just focus on, on the truth tonight and see what your word says uh, about all these things, God, may May this large group time, um, time where we pay attention, we listen, and we learn. God, may our small groups be a time where we, uh, we bring up questions, we answer questions. God, we just have dialogue and discussion um, as we just work together to grow uh, closer to you. Shame, I pray. Amen. All right, so we are on week five of Asking for a Friend. Uh, if you have not been here, this series has been all about uh, questions that your friends or you may be asking. We talk about, can we trust the Bible? Is Jesus the only way? Why does God allow bad things to happen? And, and stuff like that, right? And so this is week five of that. Do I have the pictures? So, uh, I do have, if you have the Bible app, I did have a chance and time to put uh, the notes in the Bible app so you guys can open that up. You guys can see uh, what we've done, what we did, and you guys can see all that stuff there and take the notes if you guys didn't know, you guys can like save the notes, email them to yourself, so you always have these for the rest of your life, because I know you want to look back at these when you're like 60 years old. Um, maybe not, but I have some, I have like a paper notebook from notes from like the, when I was growing up that I still have. It's really cool to go back to see what God was teaching me and showing me uh, when I was your age. And so hopefully you guys have things like that, whether that be through this or through other things, ways we can see what God was teaching you. So tonight... Um, I thought it'd be kind of fun to share some, these are real laws, these are some real crazy laws that we have in the state of Texas. Like, these are legit, real laws, okay? In some cities in Texas, it is illegal to go barefoot in public without a permit. You can buy a $5 permit, then you can walk barefoot in some cities, okay? In this town called Lafours, I've never heard of it, L-E-F-O-R-S, it's illegal to take more than three drinks of a beer while you're standing. If you're sitting, you're fine. If you're standing, three and no more. I, that's a good question. Uh, it's illegal to milk someone else's cow. Um, it's a theft of personal property with a maximum fine of $10. This is a real one. You ready? This one is the one that, no, I'm going to wait for that. I'm going to put that one at the end. Um, it's illegal to flirt with your eyes or your hands in San Antonio, Texas. With your eyes or your hands, you cannot flirt with someone. Or you mouth, maybe. The way you crinkle your nose. I don't know. <coughs> in Galveston, in Galveston, you can be fined. $500 for sitting on the sidewalk. Don't sit in the sidewalk. You can find $500. It is against the law to use a feather duster in any Texas public building. You cannot use a feather duster in any Texas public building. I don't know. And here we go. This is the last one. I want to save it because this is a Legit law in the state of Texas, and I just think it's the most absurd, dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Those people who are planning to commit a crime in Texas are required by law 
to provide their victims with 24 hours of written or verbal notice of the crime that they are planning on committing. Like for real, that is a state law. They put it in in order to try to deter people from doing crimes because, you know, criminals, I'm sure they're just worried about the law. I'm going to call somebody. Hey, I'm going to rob you tomorrow at 830. Be home. You know, it makes no sense. Yeah. If you, can leave, if you can just box up your valuables and just make it easier, that's fine. You know, that's so stupid. All right, anyways. But those are some pretty crazy, stupid laws that we have in Texas that are still on the books today. At some point, some of these laws probably made sense, like milking the cows. Yeah, that still makes sense, but I don't think cow milking is probably as prevalent now as it was you know, 100 years ago. And they may be probably seen pretty important to some people at some point in time. But now when we read these, especially the, the last one, they just seem silly, a little weird, in uh, some cases a little gross, and just very unnecessary. And many people feel that way about the Bible. They read the Bible, particularly the first few books of the Old Testament, and they cannot understand why there are so many rules. Is God just a, a cosmic killjoy? Is, is God just trying to ruin all of our fun? Is God some giant power monger that just wants to tell us what to do all the time? That's, that's kind of how people see God, especially when they read the first few books. So tonight we're going to dig in and try to answer the question, why did God make so many rules? And so if you haven't been here, you know we have this first question. This is the big question we're trying to answer, but every time we have this big question, we ask other questions to try to help answer this big one. So this first question we're going to ask or an answer you know, aren't, aren't there a lot of rules? Yes, okay? It's just simple. There's a lot of rules, um, particularly in the Old Testament. There are actually 613 laws in the Torah. The Torah is Genesis through Deuteronomy. The first five books of, of our Bible is called the Torah, which means the teaching. And, and these laws cover everything from how to properly offer your sacrifice at the altar of God or in for like Brian Cooper, how to grow your beard, okay? These are some of the laws that there are. How to offer sacrifice, how to grow beards, and all kinds of other things. You shouldn't wear leisure suits. Not really, but I mean, basically, 50-50, you know, polyester kind of stuff. You can't wear mixed fiber things. There's all kinds of laws in there. And when you, when you look at these laws, you try to digest 613, which I don't know if you guys can count. I mean, maybe I would count to 613. I don't know. Some of you all, maybe not. But that's a, that's a big number, right? And try to remember 613 laws. That's a lot. And so it can be feel almost overwhelming knowing, man, there are 613 laws. I can't, there's no way I can remember all these. How am I supposed to live how God wants me to live? So we're going to try to see if we can make, make a little more sense to you, maybe. There's a good chance that maybe you haven't heard and read all 613 laws, but maybe you've heard of the Ten Commandments. Have you guys heard of the Ten Commandments? Some of you guys may have. So when the Israelites fled from Egypt, they were a large group of people, maybe hundreds of thousands. They were following God's leading through the desert, right? So as you can imagine, when many people, that many people are together, uh, things can get out of hand and get a little crazy. So Moses went up on Mount Sinai and met with God, and God gave him the Ten Commandments. And so these ten were the basis for how to love God and to love others, and how to function as the people of God. Can you guys name some of the big ten? Do not murder is definitely one. 
Anybody else have a guess? Don't lie. Don't what? Not quite. It's a different one, but not one of ten. That's a good one, though. Anybody else have a ten? One of the tens? Huh? Leah? You have don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't covet, don't lie, don't worship other gods. So, the rest of these laws, these 613 laws, are kind of a description of these, these ten major ones here. Because in Deuteronomy 22.8, this is what it says in Deuteronomy 22.8, When you build a new house, you shall make a parapet, that's like a little small wall, for your roof, that you may not bring the guilt of blood upon your house if anybody should fall from it. So they would build a roof, a little wall, that way people can't lean over and fall and die. Got it? That's what that one is telling us. And then you have Exodus 21. When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fine, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm, then he shall pay life for life. So these two verses are more detailed explanations of what God means when he says, do not murder. Okay? So those are two of the laws that represent that one Ten Commandment. And you could say, like I said, you could probably say that these 613 laws kind of explain and go a little bit deeper in, into the ten. Uh, you can, you know, even the detailed laws about how to, you know, to offer sacrifices, you know, they're, they're, they're detailed explanations of, of the first command to worship God and have no other gods before Him. So all the laws about how to worship kind of tie into that first one, right? So luckily when Jesus came along, He kind of helped it because, let's face it, we're not the smartest people. And so He gave us two because... We can't handle ten. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So here Jesus showed us that all the commands can be summed up in these two things. To love God, to love people. Love God, love people. That's, that's, those boil down into those two. And you can see this love God, love people in the Ten Commandments. Because the first few are about loving God, right? About loving God. And if we get the other ones, it's all about loving people and, and, and relating to other people. Like, don't lie, don't, don't steal, don't murder. That's loving people, right? Loving somebody would be not murder. That just makes sense. And so they're all kind of intertwined there. So yes, there are a lot of rules. But they really are not too difficult for us to understand. And the second question I want to look at is, well, don't these rules cause, cause problems? There's 613 rules. Don't they cause issues for us sometimes? You know, so those who oppose Christianity would say, you've got all these rules. Don't they, don't they cause issues for us? And again, the answer is yes. Because they create, I think, two problems. The first one is a why try problem. Man, there's 613 laws. Why should I even try? I'm going to screw up. I'm going to mess up. I can't do 613. I can't do 10. I can't even do love God, love people correctly and very well. Why even try and bother with following these, right? Because that's kind of what people say sometimes. So for these people, the rules become the barrier that keeps them from following Jesus. So keeping the laws seems like such a mountain to climb that they give up. 
before they even begin to try. So how do we answer people that, that argue, why try? Why should I even try to do what God has laid out in his, in his word to do? We point out that we, you and I, and that we are flawed, that we are sinners, and that we aren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination either. Right? James 2.10, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. And then you have in Romans 6, For the wages of sin is death. And this is a big but, and yes, you can chuckle. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay? So that's telling us, so we point to the fact when somebody says, well, there's just a lot of rules, a lot of do's and don'ts. I don't want to do it because there's no way I can do that. I can follow all that. So when somebody has that kind of thought, the way we respond to that is we say, yeah, we've all sinned, we've all screwed up, and it's only through Jesus that we can be perfected. Right? So we've all missed that mark, we've all screwed up. Yes, you, whoever's you're talking to that's thinking these things, or perhaps it's you. I screwed up, you screwed up. And the only way we have any hope is through Christ, right? Second, we have so that we have the, the why try problem. Now we have the Pharisee problem. These are the people that think following Jesus is all about rules and regulations, but they kind of go the opposite direction of these why try people. They spend all their time trying to follow all the rules they can. So they base their following of Jesus completely on their doing their good works and doing their good deeds. But the problem with this, they also begin to compare their works with the works of other people. They judge, they demean other people because of their sin, right? Their, their goal is to be more holy than the other guy. I'm better than you. I do this and this and this, and I don't do this, this, and this. And I see you doing that stuff, so I'm better than you. That's kind of where these other people are coming from, this Pharisee problem. That's what the Pharisees did when you read throughout Scripture what they did. Because Jesus makes it clear that the Pharisees aren't doing it right either. Because we have Matthew 23. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So here he's, he's comparing Pharisees to a tomb where you have this big, beautiful, ornate, like white limestone tomb. Now this looks beautiful on the outside, but inside of a tomb, what's in there? A dead meat, decaying, stinky body full of death. That's what he's saying these Pharisees are. They, on the outside, man, they look good. They look like they've got it together. They know what they're doing, but on the inside, they're dying. That's what this Pharisee problem is. That they, they go the opposite direction of the why try, and they're like, man, I'm doing so much better than you. I'm a better Christian than you because I do these things. But here's the thing. Following Jesus isn't just about following the rules. Well, that's part of it. It's about being in a relationship with Jesus that transformed us from the inside out. So because we are transformed, we begin to be obedient to Christ. So we don't, you know, it's not about, man, I got to get my life right. I got to do this. God has these rules. Man, I, I screw up all the time. I need to get right before I can, I need to be perfect before I can go to Jesus. That's stupid. That, that, that sounds mean, but I don't really care. I'm here to make you feel good. It's, it's, it's silly to think that you have to have it all together to be perfect and to do everything correctly before Jesus wants you. 
because all of us in here would still be waiting. All of us in here would still be working as hard as we can, and we'll never get to that point. Because it's not, <clears throat> it's not just about following the rules. It's about that relationship that you have. And so you have that relationship. You have that transformation. And you begin to follow and to be obedient to what God has called you to do. So yes, these rules can create problems. And they have been for centuries. Which brings us to the, the question, what's the point? What are the point of all these rules? There's 613 laws in the Old Testament. What's the point? Why do we have so many things? Why does it have all these things for us? Um, I, I believe... There are two reasons, I think, that God created these rules. I believe the main reason is that God gave us a law to drive us to Christ. You see, here's the dilemma. God's creation, when he created all things, he said what at the end of every day? He created, back to Genesis, chapter 1. He created things, and at the end of every day, what did he say? It is good. When the fall happened and man screwed everything up because we're, we're stupid, things were not good. And so we are sinful and we're separated from God, right? So our, God's creation, he made ultimately as good, sin into the picture. And we don't measure up to the standard that God had set for us, right? You guys got this? Shake your head, yes, make sure you're paying attention. So we can't measure up to the, what God, the standard that God had set. And yet through pride, humans, his creation, we think that we're good enough to go to heaven. God is going to let us go to heaven. There's a book out, or written several years ago, called Love Wins. Anybody ever read Love Wins? Anybody ever heard of Love Wins? It's a book by Rob Bell. It's all about, um, it's all about, no matter what you do in life, no matter your denomination, if you go to church, if you don't go to church, in the end, Love Wins and God's grace is going to cover everybody, and everybody's going to heaven. Because God's love wins. I don't know if you guys are aware of what the Bible says, but that's not what the Bible says. It's, you know, we are separated from God, and we think the only way, the only way that that guy could write that book is pride, thinking that, oh, he's good enough, and God's love is big enough, and it doesn't matter what I do, the sin is not that big a deal. To God, which is not true. Because God has a solution to the sin problem that's in our life, and that's the death of His Son as an atoning sacrifice. But what, what can He do about his cre- the creation who through pride doesn't even see its need for the sacrifice that Jesus gave? So this law was given to show man, us, his fall- our fallen nature, and to believe it or not, to even increase the sin. That's what it says. So that He would take away or look away from himself as the answer, so that we would see in us sin, and that our sin would increase. And because of that increase of sin, we would look away from us and see, I can't do this on my own. I need something else. And we find Jesus. And he is the answer that is the only answer. The only one that could ever save us. Romans 5.20 says, Now the law came in to increase the trespass, the trespass being sin. So the law came in to increase the sin, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And in Galatians chapter 3, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, 
in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So this law, what it does, it exposes our sin, and it exposes that we need a Savior, because there's nothing we can do on our own to get eternal life. Are you guys paying attention? Shake your head. Make sure you, That's a big deal. I want to make this is super important. I want to make sure you guys understand it and get this. There's nothing you and I can do. We can go to church all, all our lives. We can give every penny we have. We can do all these things, but that is not good enough. You guys got this. It's not about doing good works. It's not about being good enough. It's not going to church enough. It is about Jesus Christ and what he did for you and I, period. You guys got this? Making sure you guys understand how important this truly is. Because I think our society thinks that we're, oh, we're good enough. We're, we're, we're great people. We're fantastic, which is, which is not true. So this law exposes our sin, our need for a Savior. You know, this, this law exposes us, and then we see ourselves as we truly are. And having seen the problem of sin, we will then look for the solution. Hopefully you look for the solution. Like if you have... Okay, that's a maybe bad example, but if you have a check engine light on your car, most people, sane people, would figure out what the check engine light is. Some people don't find the check engine light, right? Any of you adults ever have the check engine light on, and you're just like, I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to put a piece of ta- tape over it. There's nothing wrong, right? Anybody? That's, some, there's, that, that's reality. Some people see the check engine light. They see there's a problem. They hook it up to this little device. It tells you what the problem is. tells you how to fix it. Some people see the check engine light and ignore the check engine light. That's, there's those, you have those two kind of people. And that's the same thing with this. We have sin. Sin would be the check engine light in our life where we would be exposed and we would be shown what the issue is. Some people want the solution, Jesus. Some people find and seek out the solution, Jesus. Some people don't want to fix it because they don't think there is an issue. They really think that check engine light is stupid and doesn't know what it's talking about. That's, that's kind of where people are. And so we look for that solution, which is through the death of Jesus, and that we may be declared righteous in God's sight through faith in what Jesus had done on our behalf. And here's the cool thing. I don't have, I just, I don't have this up there because I just thought about it. There's a passage in 1 John that talks about when we get to heaven, and because of who Jesus is and what he's done in our life, we can get to heaven. We can be there in, in the throne room of God, and we could point at Jesus. And we could say, just as he is, so also am I. Anybody, anybody catch that? We can be in the throne room and we can point at Jesus. Jesus, perfect Jesus. And we can say, just as he is, so also am I. Not, on, not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done in my life and what he freed me from. Okay, you guys, anybody paying attention? Because that's kind of a big deal. I think that's a big deal worse. Where you guys seem like nothing. It's okay. All right. Maybe that verse was just for me. Secondly, it's to show us what it looks like to reflect the character of Jesus to the world around us. If we're truly following Christ, we should begin to look like Jesus in what we say, in what we do, and how we treat other people. Our relationship with Jesus transforms our hearts, which then transforms who we are externally. This is what Scripture says about our hearts in Matthew 12, 34. You brood of vipers. It's not a very good thing talking to Pharisees. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
That's what our heart is. It's evil. So the law then only shows us our flaws in comparison to, to a holy God, but it also gives us clear direction on how to begin to reflect who He is to the world around us by allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. This is why Galatians calls these things fruit. If you've been here on Sunday morning, you kind of know what's going on, right? Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Gets such things, there is no law. It's a beautiful thing of, of who God is and what His law exposes us as sin, but the fact is that we have Christ. We have a Savior who died for us, who wants to live in us, who wants to change us and wants us to change the world and wants us to be part of the things He's doing, which is mind-blowing to me. I don't know if anybody's quite getting it tonight. Uh, I'm going to pray and then we're going to split up um, into, uh, we'll do two groups tonight. I mean, we just see tonight that, that we are all sinners, that we are all screwed up. We've all missed the things that you've called us to do. So because of our sin, we're separated from you and separated from you for eternity, God. But you sent your son to die on our behalf. So we have a chance to spend eternity with you. I mean, we see because of our sin, we need a Savior. May we see that, that a Savior as your Son. May we see that we need Him to, to, to change our lives and to, to rule over our lives. That's so we can change the world. Because I believe in this generation, I believe you're calling us to do great and mighty things. And I pray that uh, as we break into our groups, we just explore us a little bit deeper and that we see the importance of, of a Savior. And that if, if tonight, if anybody's here who does not know you as Savior, God, I pray in their small groups, I pray that they come to me afterwards, whatever, God, that they, they talk to somebody and say, God, I, 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 need, I need this Jesus. May they leave here without... May they, may they leave here and, and do that before they leave. God, may they... Is anybody here tonight that, that, that doesn't know you, God, I pray you just... Make them restless as they try to go to sleep tonight, as you try to wrestle with them. That all they can do is cry out to you, God. I pray you just move in a mighty way in these next 20 or so minutes, God. Shame I pray. Amen.